Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. It is indeed uh, time for parenting where long termism. Uh, is, uh, is strived for. <laughs> Not always succeed. Joanna Fortune joins us once again. Afternoon, Joanna. Good afternoon. Uh, first question is this. My four-year-old daughter struggles to interact with other children, particularly those around her own age. Of late, she's interpreting interactions with other children incorrectly, saying they don't like her and other such comments, and even once I heard her say, what is wrong with me? What mm-hmm. is wrong with me? Thankfully, my six-year-old daughter, who's very sociable, will try and help her younger sister to play in these situations, We try to reassure her and have explained that she is so wonderful and similar and I haven't heard her question herself since. But it is a worry and I wonder if low self-esteem is a factor even at four. I'm worried for her starting junior reference next September and I wonder if uh, there is anything we can do so that she can get better uh, at interacting with her peers or at least better understand interactions such that she doesn't get so upset. Ah, it's a lot, isn't it, Mm. for for such a little one. And, you know, I'm thinking, Sean, as you're saying that she's four, but children her age have actually spent a large percentage of their life, nearly half their lives, really, dealing with COVID-related restrictions. And I've said it before, you know, but when we make significant changes to how any group socialise, interact, go about their lives, we should expect significant impact, at least until we can do some restoration of regulation. And Mm. I want to say normality, whatever that means to each of us. You know, and I'm thinking at four, so she didn't have some of the other kind of stages to play that children have. And there are stages, you know, I've mentioned three kind of play stages here before, but even beyond that, like infants and if you think of like zero to two, that kind of age span, babies go through phases of unoccupied play, you know, where they their environment is fascinating and they're more interested in observing and in objects than in people, other mm. children playing. And then solitary play is where they are playing, but they're not playing with anyone. They might reach for objects, but again, it's not interactive. Um, before they do move then into onlooker play, and I think of the age of all of this would be coming into those restriction periods for her. And onlooker play is observing other children at play, though not necessarily playing with them. And then they move beyond that into that kind of more robust toddlerhood, if you like, of two-ish onwards to parallel play. So I might be playing something at the same time as a same age or similar age peer is playing, but we may not be playing Interactively, yes, you might yeah, get that serve together. and return, but yeah. we're playing in the same kind of ballpark, literally yeah. and figuratively, yeah. but on that kind of parallel way. And associative play is then it enables me to play alongside others and get curious about, well, what is it you have and what are you doing? And I'm beginning that tentative exploration until I get more into cooperative play, which takes me till I'm about three. Mm, And then it's by school age that we're really looking at full blown cooperative play, you know, where I'm in. It's actually the child I'm more interested in or at least as interested in as the toy or the object. Mm. So who I'm playing with matters as much as my play. So she's kind of somewhere between those latter stages I've gone through there. And it might be that she's just not refining those skills at a pace that your older daughter did 
different circumstances, different children. So I would just give her some time and space and afford her more play opportunities and more kind of, I'm assuming at four and she's going to junior infants next September. So she's in preschool and it might be her second year in preschool mm. um, or something in around that. But talk to her preschool teachers and, you know, bring in their help with this. Ask them, could they set up some play with others? Could they stay with her and help her to work out what others are saying and doing in their play and in their interaction, that bid to connect with her and bring her to places like where transient connections can be made, you know, playgrounds, in other words, where I can, you know, have an interaction, good, bad or indifferent with another child, but it's short and it kind of passes. But I'm having multiple experiences of that. I'm just very aware her older sister seems to be rescuing her quite a bit and that's working and supporting her, but make sure she is getting to learn within that in the same way that when she's upset and you're saying but you're wonderful and you're similar to everyone else and you're great which of course you're saying and it's all accurate and appropriate to say but make sure we're also empathising you're really finding this hard Mm. and that we can help her name what she's finding hard because just because she stops saying it doesn't mean she stops feeling it. There is a little bit of distress just noted here and it's you know we get snapshots of situations um, with letters here but I just you know when she's kind of lamenting you know what's wrong with me and she's saying that and really it's a pattern of miscuing and mispicking up. She might benefit from even a short burst of play-based therapy. And at her age, children can respond so well, so quickly yeah. to something like that, where she's just having a very independent, rich play experience with somebody who can provide witness to that and help her to make meaning of behaviour within play. If that pattern of what's wrong with me was to continue, I might nudge them in that direction. Yeah, I, I, but then I take it, you know, that, as you said, half her life has yeah. been in lockdown, but that's the same for all her peers. So we don't know even the peers she's playing with are doing it right. If They could be miscuing each other yeah. and there's a lot of confusion. And I think it's why, you know, a preschool environment is so rich and so helpful in helping young children to work out those social dynamics. But they are very much still working that out. It is not worked out, nor would we expect them, COVID or not, we wouldn't expect children three, four, four and a half years old to be getting all of that right. It does take until they are school age, which is a year from now. Yeah, for her. Yeah, so yeah. she does have time and there are practical, playful things you can do and just keep an eye on because part of the question is, you know, is it possible for her to have low self-esteem at this age? Of course it's possible, but I wouldn't draw that conclusion necessarily from this. She may be just struggling. To, I don't really know what's expected of me mm, in these interactions yeah. with other kids. Other kids, by definition, are unpredictable little beings themselves. So I can't quite anticipate with certainty how something's going to go. So it can feel very out of my control. And that in itself can be triggering for worries. And she does have a very helpful, supportive older sister. Mm. So, which is great, but it can also mean that when I struggle without my older sister there, I don't know what to do with the struggle. And she might benefit from just empowering her to better manage those moments, stay with her in it, empathise. And that's why I think linking with her preschool teachers could help. My five-year-old son has developed a habit of repetitively proclaiming I'm bad over and over any time I ask him to stop doing something or scolds him. We try hard not to be harsh or overreact when he's doing things we don't want him to. And we'll often say he is good, but that the thing that things he is doing uh, doesn't mean to is he is bad at all and that it's normal and fine to make mistakes. He will also hit himself in the face 
when angry or upset, how can we best help? My God, he's only five. I know, but you know what really strikes me here? First of all, the hitting in the face can be an attempt to self-regulate. Yeah. It can be that bit of things are feeling very wrought and I'm anxious and I'm getting revved up and, and, you know, I'm getting that agitation in a physical sense as much as an emotional sense and the hitting can be an attempt to calm oneself down. I'm not saying it's healthy or good, by the way, but, you know, we mm. don't over worry about just that one piece. Um, at this age, it's very hard to separate ourselves from how we're feeling. So that yeah. can very quickly come, you know, I feel badly about something can very quickly become I am bad. Mm, yeah. Because I am my feelings, my feelings are me. It's taking yeah. me a long time to be able to develop that capacity to move from emotional to cognitive states and back so I can feel my thoughts and think my feelings. I mean, Sean, it takes some of us a great yeah, deal of our lives true. to work yeah. that out. Yeah. But, you know, it really is. So I am in my feelings very much and they are me. And that's why exactly like you're doing here, he help, He needs that reframing for him. You know, you're not bad, but you're feeling badly about what's happened here. Mm. And you don't, it's enough to keep saying that and reminding him don't use too many words I'm going to suggest if you can't get this message across in 10 words or less change how you're saying it because if you start bamboozling him with words you know oh it's not you it's the behaviour it's this it's all he's hearing is it's me it's me it's me Yeah. so yeah. you really want to word it that way I, I'm going to suggest that you focus on of course effort over outcome you really tried and that didn't work out here's what we're going to do differently the next time but you know I'm really proud that you tried and you emphasise that and then you're also going to give do-overs before you move to critiquing or correcting the behaviour. So, oh, I think you forgot how we do that in this family. Do you want to try it again? And then if he can catch himself in the moment and do it right the second time, praise that and move on. And then I would also be suggesting, because he's five years old, give him some tangible chores every day that he can do and you've got something to go, look how great you are. Mm. You're so good at helping. I can always count on you to do your jobs and you can give him something very particular to praise him for every day and that will boost self-esteem, independence building, self-efficacy, all of that. I also think when he is in the midst of you know, an acting out or something that's going wrong. If you can reframe it, that acknowledge the feeling, look, I know you're frustrated right now because this hasn't gone the way you wanted or you're frustrated because you can't go outside because of whatever, it's too dark out or whatever it is, whatever has happened. Mm. Acknowledge the feeling and then communicate the limit. It's not okay to shout or it's not okay to throw things or it's not okay to hit people, even yourself. Put a limit on behaviour, but then target an alternative. The next time you feel frustrated, here's what you can do and redirect him to it because I think you might have a sensitive little guy on your hands and that's not a bad thing but you have to help him make meaning of his behaviour so he doesn't personalise everything so quickly. Yeah. God, as you say, I mean most, uh, well not most adults but there's a lot of adults if you criticise an idea at work it's aimed at them personally you're saying I'm the thing no absolutely and you know being sensitive is not a bad quality in Mm. the right settings it can be a superpower you know it really can and we definitely need more emotionally sensitive people in certain sectors of society and we'd all be doing a lot better but when you're a child it's very difficult to be sensitive because you feel the world very deeply Mm. and you feel other people's feelings as part of that so you often need to act as a filter for sensitive children to go, okay, we're going to stop. We're going to slow this down. We're going to break it down and make meaning of the behaviour so that you're not overwhelmed. But you don't say any of that. Yes. You do it. Yes. 
I have a three-year-old son. A few of his friends' mums at the crash are pregnant. He's obsessed with a pregnant belly, but he now thinks anyone with any kind of belly is carrying a baby. The other day in the supermarket, he asked a man with a bit of a belly doing his shopping when he was going to have his baby. Thankfully, the man took it in good spirits. I am afraid he will say it to someone who won't be so kind about it. What do I do? He rubs his belly too, by the way. He's an only child. I love that little bit at the end. Is that the reason? No, that's not the reason. Children this age are curious. They're inquisitive. That's who they are, you know, in their Mm. lives. And they are actively learning about themselves via other people and the world around them. That means I'm curious about everything and everyone. And I'm also curious that people come in different shapes, sizes, colours, abilities. This is new information for me. And every time I see somebody, I'm making associations. And in this instance, he's making an association of bellies because he's thinking it and he's like, well, that's because babies are in there because he doesn't yet know, Mm. of course, because he's three, how all of that works. So what he's doing is actually curious, inquisitive. And here's the, the crux of it. Embarrassing for us. Yeah, It's our embarrassment that gets triggered in these situations when our children point, say out loud, you know, they express their curiosity in an inconvenient way for us. Let mm. me put it that way. Yeah. And we get embarrassed and awkward and then we shush and we shush them very quick and they get confused. As, oh, what did I do? That's wrong here. So I think what you're going to do now, he's three. So get ready to do this and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it because you're going to have to put a mantra in mind with him. We never comment on other people's bodies. Bodies do come in all different shapes, sizes, colors and abilities. Bodies are amazing things, but we do not comment and we don't touch other people's bodies. And we certainly don't do that without asking them. Mm. So you can keep saying that and keep saying it in different ways. But once you keep keep to the main message of it. But the other line I'm going to put in your head is that you can say to another adult, I'm really sorry if you're offended. We're working on our body boundary language right now because he's three years old. And I'm not going to say adults will all understand that all of the time because you may, he may inadvertently upset somebody and That's unfortunate, but it's not intentional on any child's part. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, you could have come across... You could come across a woman who's just had a miscarriage, for instance, oh, you know, 100 you know, percent. Um, yeah, something, you know, and you could it could be a very sensitive, insensitive yeah. comment in that moment about a sensitive thing. But it's still not. And that is very painful, but it's still not intentional. On oh, the no, child's absolutely part. not. But then the adult, you know, can be angry and lash We're out at human. the parent absolutely. and all that kind of stuff. You know? Yeah. So and, that can, and that's why I think you do need the line yourself. And I'm so sorry yeah. that this has happened. I really wish it hadn't. But we are working on this. He's only little. But you can apologize, but try not to shush the child, because then when you get the child away, you go, so what happened there is that we talked about someone's body and that's not what we do. Mm. And you just keep reminding them and eventually he will get it, I promise. But right now it's curiosity because he's also just discovered this amazing thing that other parents in his peer group are growing babies in their bodies and that's pretty mind-blowing when you're three. That's fascinating. And they're really into bodies. So, I mean, you've got two jobs on your hand. You're going to talk to him a bit about that in a three-year-old kind of age-appropriate way as well as the boundary piece. But starting a conversation now about body boundaries is timely and you continue it, extend it and grow it up as they grow up. But I think this is a good time to to start it. He's not too young. I just wonder is that he is an only child comment like, you know, 
know, is he agitating for a sibling? Oh, uh, he, he the, may um, well. He yeah. may well be going, and where can I get my hands on one of these? And how can we get one into your belly? And that's why that's the si- second conversation you're having about how all of that works. <laughs> my daughter is five and a half. She has long curly hair. We have no problem getting her to have baths and the odd shower and no problem drying her hair with a hairdryer. But she will not allow anyone to brush her hair. People say to me, oh, she'll grow out of it. And oh, isn't she cute with her unruly hair. She has been like this since the age of three. Is there anything I can do or do we just have to let the, her grow out of it? Oh, no. Now, I've been the curly, knotty haired child in my life. For much of my life, I've had the painful hair combing. And I know I, I find myself immediately empathising with this child. I also have um, a child with hair like that. So there are a couple of things I've learned along the way with this. Um, appropriate products are key with wild, curly, mm. knotted hair. Um, a good tangle spray, a good hairbrush, one of those ones that have effective soft but soft ones, bristles, yeah. but you know, where the head bends yeah. with the friction. Oh, they're great. They're yeah. the, that, with this type of hair, that's the only hairbrush that is going to work because if you imagine putting another rigid, uh, stiff hairbrush into this kind of hair, you're literally pulling her neck, mm. her head. Yeah. It's sensory, very dysregulating. I would say talk to your hairdresser who are minds of information about this. So talk to your hairdresser about what products in this area they'd recommend. And you could also go to the hairdresser, by the way, as part of this for a good old detangle if things are in a state where mm. the bird's nest effect is setting in. <laughs> um, you might want to... And you have to cut that stuff out eventually. See, that's yeah. what I'm kind of building yeah. to. And I know that can be hard for parents as well, but you're saying she has long curly hair. Given how hard this is for her, maybe shorter, I'm saying shorter... Mm. curly hair might be a better idea why she's so young. She can hair grows. She can always grow it again. But the long the length of it might be a part of your challenge. So again, go to your hairdresser, get a good detangle, talk to them about products. They can even talk with your child about it, too. And think about the shorter hair. But I would also say that you could focus on sensory distraction because the hairdresser might be quite a trigger until she gets used to it, too. Mm. Give her like a little fidget toy that she can sit and fiddle with while mm. you're doing her hair because it will give her something else um, as a, a sensory distraction redirection tool while you're doing her hair and do the hair in sections, not as a whole mass. Yeah, my youngest has like big, fabulous hair like yours. And, and that uh, she was, she, now we had to get the soft brush to, yeah. to eventually her accept that. But she wasn't mad about uh, hair drying. So what we started doing, and child is five and a half, yeah. count to 20. It'll yeah. be over when you're 20. And it's it's similar to that distraction yeah. thing that she knows when the end is coming. And, and then she's... Structure it. Yeah, structure it. So there's a clear beginning and end to it. Um, and absolutely, and sometimes curly haired children don't want blow drying because it actually adds volume to the situation. <laughs> and maybe they don't want that. Maybe none of us want that. So, you know, I do think, um, you know, this is just part of your parenting journey. It's linking in with a professional who yeah. knows hair and can talk you through this. But I think as well, acknowledge for her, you know, don't minimise and say, come on, we have to do it. It'll be OK. Say, I know this is really hard and I'm doing my very best not to hurt you. Here's what we're going to do. You hold this. I'll, and if you need a break, you put up your hand, I will see that and we'll take a break and then we can start again when it feels comfortable for you yeah. and give her some degree of control over it. Yeah. Joanna, thanks again Thank uh, as ever. Uh, Joanna Fortune there. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break after that Indian relay racing. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.